Welcome to the All Things Agile podcast, your destination for tips and interviews with the leaders in the world of Agile. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, and please check out our sponsor, TeamAccelerator.com. And now, here's your host, Ronnie Andrews Jr. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All Things Agile podcast. I'm very excited to announce that today's guest is Jeff Sutherland. He's a true legend in the world of Agile, especially Scrum. He is a founding father of Scrum and also an original participant in the Agile Manifesto. I'm very excited to have him on today's show and I'm hoping that he can shed some insight into how to implement Agile teams in larger organizations. So let's go ahead and get started. First off, thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. Regarding my first question, I'd like to know what is your input or advice on how to implement Agile successfully in today's global workforce, where we often have teams that are sp- spread across the globe, India, China, etc., how can we implement Agile successfully, even if our teams are globally distributed? Well, first of all, Scrum simplifies their already complex waterfall uh, implementations. So uh, Scrum is easier to implement globally than traditional approaches. Um, in order, we've, I've worked with many skilled firms uh, over the years. I mean, the first one was actually IDX, now GE Healthcare, which was a competitor, McKesson, where you were. And in fact, the head of marketing, uh, Pam, um, uh, at IDX, who worked with me implementing Agile there, went on to become the CEO of McKesson. She might still be there, I don't know, I haven't checked recently. Uh, but she was probably there when you were doing your Agile transformation. Um, but IDX at the time had eight business units. Uh, each business unit had a minimum of three products. Um, many of them were acquired technologies, acquired companies, uh, mainly in the United States, but uh, some uh, teams I worked with were in Europe, but scattered all over the place. And uh, <clears throat> So we scaled Scrum um, in a big way. One of the best teams was actually in three locations um, uh, across the continent. So I've written about at least a half a dozen papers on good distributed implementations of Scrum. And Scrum is the only way of doing software that allows you to actually scale up without losing productivity per developer. As soon as you start to scale waterfall, the productivity per developer goes down. Um, It starts to drop radically once you get more than six people, which is why we keep scrum teams small. But by uh, keeping scrum teams small and then using the scalability mechanism that we do, uh, we actually have uh, several case studies now, which are the only ones ever published showing that you can scale globally and when you scale, you can get linear scalability by adding teams. Of course, you have to do Scrum well. Now, one of the problems with any kind of distribution, Microsoft did a study on this a few years ago, their process group, and they found that in every case, in 10 years of doing Microsoft distributed development, in every case, it delayed the project, it increased the project risk, and it, and it and it increased this this dysfunction on the teams. And so uh, 
anytime you distribute, those are the three things that you have to deal with. And as I said, Scrum can effectively, effectively deal with all of them, but only if you run a very good Scrum locally, then you can distribute it. If you distribute a bad Scrum, then you, mag you magnify the dysfunction when you distribute. But that's also true with Waterfall. So uh, in the worst case, Scrum is better than Waterfall. Okay. And maybe just a follow-up question to that. Um, in your opinion, uh, when an organization is looking to, you know, again, they're looking to adopt Scrum and globally distribute, um, have you found that it's easier to sort of treat the teams all as equals, if you will, and each one is equally able to grab work, if you will, from the, from the bigger picture, from the product backlogs? Or do you think that it's easier to sort of like, you know, um, sort of delegate, if you will, certain uh, either component areas or certain pieces of functionality to a particular team? Or do you think that creates just too much of a siloed um, you know, pigeonhole. Well, you always want to maximize the feature teams. You want always want to have cross-functional teams that have uh, every 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 capability on the team that's needed to get to a done state. Um, one of the most interesting models today in scaling is Spotify because they they I like them because they elegantly did what I try to do at, at GE Healthcare and. What they've done is they have almost all feature-driven teams. They do have some component teams, but almost all feature-driven teams. And all feature-driven teams have a visible uh, piece of the Spotify user interface. And every team can upgrade their piece of the product every sprint without uh, disrupting any other piece of the product. Uh, and so by making things visible for every team and really managing the architecture and the dependencies properly, it, it gives them a very powerful uh, way to implement a really cool product. <clears throat> and they really have to be fast and they really have to be agile because their competitors are Amazon Google and Apple, and any one of them will crush them if they don't run fast enough. Uh, you know, Google, Apple, and Amazon are like a big tsunami all coming at them at once, and they have to run fast enough so that the wave doesn't crash on them. And basically, they use Agile globally to do it. So I, I'd recommend that your people really study the way Spotify has done this. Oh, excellent, excellent. I'll definitely look at that, and it does make a lot of sense. Um, I guess the next question I have is in relation to more of the program or release level type planning. And the question is really regarding when you have uh, teams kind of more in the trenches that are in the process of adopting Agile. However, you may still have parts of the or large organization at kind of like the program level or you know, trying to work through, um, you know, what's going to be in a particular release, and they're still in waterfall mode. So do you have any advice for um, organizations that, you know, the trenches are maybe adopting Agile, but maybe at the top levels they're still kind of left in waterfall? Well, basically, you know, that's the way Scrum always started. It always started in the middle of a big waterfall implementation. Uh, <clears throat> so it's 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 – 
not only common, it's the usual problem when teams and companies are starting off. And what we find is if you look at the success rate of, of traditional projects versus uh, versus agile projects, uh, even though there's a lot of bad agile out there, uh, uh, we, we published data that Standish Group gave us, uh, Ken Schwaber and I, in our book on software in 30 days last year. And, and the data showed clearly that <clears throat> about 10 years' worth of uh, agile versus traditional projects and over 50,000 projects showed that the success rate for for traditional projects was uh, 14%. 86% uh, were either late over budget with unhappy customers or complete failures, nothing ever delivered. Uh, whereas in the agile side, and this is global data worldwide averages, <clears throat> the success rate for the agile projects was 40 40 uh, 2%, about three times uh, the success rate of, 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 of the traditional. And, uh, and many, of, of course, of these agile projects are embedded within Waterfall. So, so what that means is in when you're doing Scrum inside a company that's doing Waterfall, uh, you're going to be three times as effective at delivering your piece at the right time. And 86% of the time, the Waterfall part of the company is going to be late. So that means every scrum team doing working inside that environment <clears throat> needs to get a very clear commitment from Waterfall on dates and they have project managers that are supposed to do that. In fact, that's the that's the big role of the project manager that's left since scrum scrum doesn't need them. So the Waterfall project managers have to commit to a date. Uh, the scrum teams with their product owner will commit to the date, and most of the time the scrum teams will hit it and the traditional implementations will fail. So the scrum teams always have to have a plan B, uh, so they need to clearly uh, articulate to the management that when the waterfall teams have missed their date and that they are going on to plan B and they should be called when the waterfall team uh, fixes their problems. Uh, one of the things that we sometimes see is that when the waterfall teams are late, which they mostly are, then they say, well, the scrum teams are, you guys are faster, so we'll just put you on the waterfall teams, which is a really bad idea because it just slows the scrum guys down to waterfall speed. Uh, a better idea is for the scrum guys to say, look, we're faster than you are. Give us, uh, give us functionality. We will scrum it. Uh, we may, may need some of your people to do that, but we can produce it much faster. If you do that, Scrum will gradually grow in the organization and start to drain the swamp of failed uh, waterfall projects. Okay. Okay. Excellent. I guess my next question would be, again, in relation to larger organization, is on the subject of documentation. Um, Obviously, one of the challenges at a large organization is you've got so much bureaucracy uh, that they're typically already in place a lot of um, you know a lot of gatekeeping documentation, and they often have times have so many different departments and one department hands off another piece to another and I guess in your experience when implementing agile or in particular say scrum at a larger organization. What advice do you have on the subject of documentation, ensuring that you have enough, but at the same time that you're still able to move quickly? Okay, well, 
you know, what Scrum wants is just enough documentation. And every time I ask anyone, do you have just enough documentation, they say no. <laughs> and I say, well, take a look at what you got and get just enough. When I've actually looked with them, we find that about 60% of their documentation is totally useless, and they're actually missing a little bit, about 10%. That's what we've seen in some big companies. Um in companies that are doing uh, medical devices that have to be FDA uh, compliant, FDA certified, we find that uh, one of my partners recently went into a German medical device company. They had 12,000 pages of documentation for an implantable medical device. So he actually took that documentation to the FDA and said, is this just enough? And the FDA said, are you kidding? We won't even read 12,000 pages. You know, What are those people thinking? So he worked with the FDA, and after six months, he got it down to 800 pages. So this is what we typically see on these uh, high documentation traceability projects. Companies are generating 95% of what they generate is totally useless. The FDA doesn't want it. And when you get it down to just enough documentation, uh, only 5% is needed. So... What Scrum will do in any company is ask the question, do you have just enough documentation? If the answer is no, then okay, they'll look at what is just enough. And when they determine that, they'll make that really clear to the management and the rest of the company. If the management insists on producing 95% junk, as in the case of the FDA uh, uh, compliant people, you know, then nobody can help them. They're just going to waste a lot of money. Um, but what Scrum will make it clear is what is just enough, what do we really need, and we'll get that on the table. Okay, perfect, perfect. I guess my uh, final question I'd like to ask you about is kind of in the sort of executive buy-in and, and sort of dealing with some of the political aspects. Yeah, when you often have large organizations, you may have some well-entrenched executives that, um, you know, maybe they don't quite get agile or, um, you know, they may be stuck in the ways, to be honest. And so can you give some suggestions if you had some people that are, you know, they're, they're working on their scrum teams and maybe they're running into some roadblock with, you know, their upper executives? Do you have any sort of like maybe some book recommendations, anything that you've worked on or colleague worked on do you think may be beneficial to to recommend to an executive? Um, well, or any in, in, many, in many companies, um, well, we do, my company, Scrum Inc., does a lot of management workshops, mostly with the senior management. With the middle management, we want to get them all into certified Scrum Master training so they really understand how it works and and what they need to do uh, from a management point of view. Without that training and education, um, it's pretty hopeless because management, uh, you know, if management doesn't know what Agile is, then they tend to do things that actually disrupt it and cause it to to either go slow or fail outright just out of being clueless. So education and training is really critical. At the end of the day, there may be people that are more interested in maintaining their empire than they are in furthering the organization, and senior management has to deal with that. 
Uh, I remember one global telecom company uh, uh, went uh, completely 100% scrum all at once, and the the scrum trainer that was leading the effort uh, was communicating with me, say, Jeff, you know, is this going to work? And I said, well, I've already written a paper on this. It's called Hitting the Wall. What happens when you take a global organization, take them to scrum all at once? What happens is they run into their biggest impediment uh, really fast, and depending on what the management does at that time, that will tell you whether it's going to be successful. And the uh, the scrum coach and trainer said, "Well, they've already they've already hit the wall." I said, "What what was it?" He says, "There were 30 managers that were getting in the way, and the CEO just fired all of them." So wow. you know, at the end of the day, there may be some. Uh, there may be some house cleaning needed. Yeah, I mean that's one of the great advantages to Scrum is that it really exposes what was already there. Is my right. my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, and so I think that's an excellent suggestion. Actually, some of the organizations that I personally have worked at uh, have provided uh, certification training to some of their middle and uh, you know director level positions, and I do think that was very helpful. And it is very interesting that you mentioned that you, you do have workshops uh, for some, you know, senior management. And that really brings me to the point of, you know, if um, if someone wanted to find out more about yourself and about your company and the service, services that you provide, uh, where do you recommend that uh, people take a look? Well, they can certainly go to our website, scruminc.com, S-C-R-U-M-I-N-C.com. They can send me an email, jeff at scruminc.com. And I'll I'll get back to them. Oh, excellent, excellent. And do you have any particular um, books or works that um, that you've written or your colleagues written that you would definitely recommend? Yeah, there there are two books uh, they were written last year. One of them is actually is really good for managers. It's written as a novel. It's a story about a company that was in big trouble, how they brought in Scrum and how they they turned a disaster into into a success. And it's a you know it's, it's not a long book. You can read it in a few hours and you really get the basic ideas. <clears throat> the other more IT focused book that I did last year with Ken Schwaber is called Scrum in Thirty Days. You know, both of these books are on Amazon. An even more interesting book is up on Amazon, but will not be released for a few months. Uh, it's called Scrum: The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time, and it is a book for the general business reader. And uh, Random House uh, funded this um, in their business book division, and they wanted it, you know, at least 80% of the examples outside of IT. And so this is a really good book for the general business guy uh, to get a handle on what, are the, what is Agile, what is Scrum all about, what, is, what are its benefits, what are the key principles, how can it help my company? So Scrum... The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. You can go to Amazon and pre-order it. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, I'll definitely provide links to those. And uh, Well, that concludes all my questions. definitely like to thank you, Jeff, for your time. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Enjoy talking with you. Thank you for listening to All Things Agile. We look forward to you subscribing to the podcast in iTunes and leaving a kind review. Thanks and God bless.